So, though, seriously, what is this thing that you sent me to at the very top here? Uh, Uh-oh, what did I do? You, you, you linked up this Thorium browser. Listen, man, the internet said to. I didn't. Okay. Why? I... Have you looked at the web page? I have. Okay. Okay. Was... Is it a is it a is it a virus? Nope. Nope. I not did, yet. Did they create this on a on a on a phone? Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> oh. Why does it okay, it did not No, they did something. I swear it didn't look like this. I maybe mean, I don't know, but I'm just I'm looking at that and I'm like, wow. No, it did. It did look like that. But very, very, like... Why? I don't know. Maybe a tablet. Tablet would be all right if you had it in portrait mode. Yeah, but I I do think, yeah, it's very, very much... uh, It's a very plain website, too, uh, in a way. See, but But I feel like that's a good thing, right? Because they're concentrating on the project. Coming up in this episode, Boontober, we keep the IPs safe, cryptic greetings, some feedback, and we get double focused. Hello and welcome to Linux User Space, I'm Dan. And I'm Leo. All right. Hey, Leo. Um, well, hello. So, for for Spooky Month, uh, we're we're both running Ubuntu, or what at least some a v- variety thereof. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of <laughs> we're, we're in that camp, right? But yeah, I know I made a choice for you know test out XFCE because we're doing that for the entire month. Yeah, you did you did a double whammy. You I did. played it smart. I could have totally done this. Yep, and it just got released. So, I mean, it's, you can't get it much fresher than that, right? So, I feel like it's a good choice. I had another mission. So, I, I'm I'm doing, like, maybe three things at the same time with this. Uh, of course. So, so, I mean, for, you know, one of my other hats uh, in Lubuntu, I'm doing some research on some things. And so, I did the um, minimal install. Uh, minimal. Is it minimal? I don't know. Anyway, whatever they're calling it. It used to be Zubuntu Core, and then I think now it's Zubuntu Minimal. I think that's what they're calling it now. Okay. Um, and so I'm, I'm doing that as a test to kind of see what other flavors you're doing, you know, to, to slim things down oh, as far as... You're uh, secret shopping. You came into the yeah, store and you wanted to check at, out the experience. Well, yeah. So it's it is the experience I'm after because I could easily look at the manifest and see what's installed and and go from there. But yeah, I wanted to see what it was like and what what sort of obstacles do you bump into anyway. And oh. so we're all friends in the flavor community, so it's like you know not really stealing, but you know we're all right. So you're friends. I get that. That's great. So we're sharing um, knowledge. All right. So spill the tea. Why does Ubuntu suck? I no, <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't suck. So, um, so that's what I'm using. I'm using twenty three ten, um, Zubuntu. 
Yeah, no, so that's not it's not terrible. They've made some improvements with some things. Um in and I know you're going to bring this up for a different reason on mm-hmm. on the framework. Um Oh and, yeah. And uh, so I they've made some improvements on the you know scaling and stuff and and, and whatnot. And have they? I, I will say I don't. I don't want to be disparaging. It's not on par, probably, with your Wayland, uh, you know, gnome experience. So it. Okay. I wish they had a finer uh, scale option. I guess, if you will, right? So it's not as fractional as I'd like. That's the only ah, dilemma. So, I got. so it's it's two x or two hundred and one x or one hundred. Yeah, that maybe there was a one point five or something like that. Yeah, so it's oh, like half halfway, but not as granular as I'd like. I guess is the yeah thing. the the one fifties is what what had gotten me in trouble for a very long time, and I was not happy with the experience. But it wasn't it wasn't any particular distribution or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was just the state of Linux display tech, right? And uh, you know. Uh, so I kind of had to deal with it, and the only way to deal with it was to, on the framework, leave it at well one x scale or one hundred percent scaling, which is teeny tiny little it's, it's small. on yeah. And on the, I'm not quite that small, so I'm I'm 1080p on a on a on a 14 inch screen, which right. is okay, okay, but it's not. I feel like a little. I feel like I gotta squint because I do have to squint. I've, I've got I've got <laughs> Endeavor. Well, I've got uh, a 14 inch uh, 10 T450s mm-hmm. back here, and man, I feel like I gotta scale it to 125. Uh, maybe that's just because I'm old like now. Like 1.1, 1.2, somewhere in that range, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah actually, 1.1 would probably be fine. Because on on a lot of these installs, I'll I'll do the font scaling to one point one, yeah. and I'm like, ah, that okay, that's comfortable. I like that. That's good. Anyway, that's 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 neither here nor there. It, it is it is it's a great it's a great system. Um, not gonna complain about that. I don't want to give too much away on XFCE because mm-hmm. we're I'm saving that, and I am doing some traveling here at the end of this week, so I'm I'm really gonna have a good chance to test the laptop itself and All XFCE. Right. So I'm I'm kind of excited for that. Will Zubuntu explode? Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> I really do. I just like I feel like <laughs> too I too can... stable for that. Yeah, yeah. So Well, when's the last time they had a major and by major I mean a minor point release upgrade? Was it I want to say it was like right around the, the drop 4.18, right? The, the drop of the LTS whenever that was, right? So I want to say that's when 4.18 hit. And before that, it was 416. So, so a little um, about a little a over a year and a half ago, a couple of years, usually on a release on those things. And so yeah. it's we'll, we'll actually have a proper answer for you in the XFCE history we will. episode because yeah. there's a good chance that uh, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. I'm just going by my memory, and that that seems about right. I I feel like they they it it's really solid, and so a lot of the bugs and stuff have been addressed and whatnot. So and yeah. You know, like they've had Greybird Dark for a few releases now, and yeah. that looks really pretty good. I'm just gonna say, I I might catch some flack for this, but uh, there was this that you sent me a screenshot, mm-hmm. and I think Firefox was part of it. Yep. Um, and it it just fully embraced the Edwida Edwida mm-hmm. theme, and it's man, consistent. I I, I yeah. couldn't I couldn't shake that I like that theme. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. 
Yeah. And and it, like everything is very consistent, very consistent. A lot of right. a lot of attention to detail there. Yeah. And I think um I think that's probably why I'm having such a good time uh cuz I ended up on Ubuntu yeah. as well. Uh but just regular old Ubuntu. There's nothing wrong with that. And yep. Yeah, and and I cuz every every release I got to throw it on something just to kind of poke around and this time it's been a long time since this happened. This time, I didn't trash it. Good. This time, I had questions. I on on the framework, as I mentioned before, the the resolution it's not four K, but right, you know, right. It's, it's up there. It's still yeah. high DPI, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess the developer or the uh, the art people would you know argue with me on the high DPI definition, but mm-hmm. it makes things super tiny if it's one X. So. Yeah. So I need scaling. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I do when I get a couple of pieces of software installed is to turn on scaling. And my preferred scaling on this framework is 150%. I turned mm-hmm. it on and because the snap of Firefox, mm-hmm. I know, I know, uh, is now Wayland by default, mm-hmm. that just worked. Nice. So well, that's nothing every, wrong with that. It, no, everything looked good. Everything was nice and crisp. I could go to any website and things worked. Cool. Um, then I was like, okay, well, what else can I try? And I installed Discord. Discord mm. had also been a situation, an X Wayland situation. Yep. So when you scale in Wayland. Yeah, X Wayland uh, stuff is not the greatest, right? Yeah. Yeah, non integer scaling, I believe is what they call right. it. So basically, if it's not 100 or 200 or 300%, things are going to look weird. Right. And historically, Discord has been reluctant to upgrade Electron so that it supported Wayland. Mm-hmm. But apparently they did that. Okay. Whoa. All right. So Discord's looking good. Discord's nice and crisp. Um, I don't think Telegram has had an issue with this, but... Well, that's cute. So maybe not? Yeah. Yeah. N- nice and crisp. Cool. And another Electron app that I use all the time, Element, to get into our Matrix oh, yeah, yeah. channel. Yeah, sure. Is nice and crisp. Plexamp is nice and crisp. Um, I, I don't... That's kind of rounding it out there, Leo. Yeah, it sure is. Thunderbird, where I get our email that you can send us at contact at linuxuserspace.show, is nice and crisp. Okay, okay. I mean, all the no maps are there. Right, right. So the terminal looks good. The file explorer looks good. Every Everything. So... That's good. The vast... Yes, the vast majority of the things that I use on a day-to-day look absolutely stunning on Ubuntu 23.10. Cool. I cannot say the same for any of the other Ubuntus. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, they're either on X, mm-hmm. which you can do scaling, but it, it it's not quite eats the up same. CPU cycles to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm on Plasma, which had a couple extra, uh, extra little uh Yeah, you have to install another package, basically, to get in to the Wayland and and get that there's like a yeah. plasma Wayland package. Yeah, I don't know remember the name of it exactly, but yeah, you install that and then Wayland is an is an option when you go to log in. Yeah. On plasma. So yeah. but the thing about this was I didn't expect to be surprised about this. Mm-hmm. I did not expect this to be as good as it was. And because of that, I am enjoying my time mm. on 2310. You're making me jealous. And, and you but this is you were making me jealous when you were talking about it 
earlier in the week and, and, yeah. and like last week. Look at me over here. It's too good. I, I, I need more time so I can make sure I got a good backup so that I can switch maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm telling you. So on a 1080p screen, you, you, can, you can cozy up to the scaling too. Mm. You do 125. And on a 1080p screen on 14 inches, man, it looks good. It's nice and cozy. The, the, yeah. the, thing about, the thing about doing this little bit of scaling, even on a 1080p screen, when you scale up just that, that quarter step. Yeah. The fonts look better. They they have this well sharp crispness to them that you don't get when you're running at one X. It's th- crazy. There's another piece to the reason why I choose to do some scaling there and make it a little bigger, maybe bigger than normal for some people. And that's because this is also a touchscreen. And it, oh. unless you've got your, your finger like really sharp, um, mm. those little buttons are hard to hit. And uh, I don't use that a lot, but I do kind of like to sometimes uh, select different windows uh, quickly. Yeah. And and maybe, you know, grab the, the top bar and move them a little bit or something if, you know, I'm just watching a couple of things go on rather than grab yeah. the mouse. Because honestly, it is faster. And yeah, it, like if you're just looking to grab a window that's in the background. You just tap it and it's like right there, right? That's cool. But yeah, you you got to be incredibly accurate when it's like really small like that. Yeah. Well, in honor of Spooky Month, I have bony little pokers. Yeah. Um, I I also have them the other eleven months of the year. Yeah. But uh, but it but it works really good for yeah, that stuff particular like that. Yeah. situation. Yeah. But you know, just because I have them doesn't mean I want to have to use them in a, an extremely accurate kind of yeah. way. So scaling up is such it's a good reason yeah yeah it's an amazing thing to do and at least on gnome and i know just ever so slightly behind them is plasma we're we got that it's there we, now we yeah actually have that cool fractional scaling because 200 percent on framework is just absolutely way too much and those things are just ah, well too big yeah well too big it, it it feels like you know how you're playing with lego and you're putting those together but then for some reason in the batch of Lego, there's like one of those dual po or duplo or whatever, you know, the kid ones. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the yep. really tiny baby yep. kid ones. And you're like, what is th- that's, that's how that's 200% scaling yeah. on the framework Somewhere between feels. It's, great. it's weird. Yeah. 150, right in the middle. That's the answer, I think. Yep. So. But never thought I'd say it, but here I am again on Ubuntu proper. That's cool. loving it. Well, and, and, and like before all of that, I did some. Lubuntu testing and and whatnot too. So I've 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 had a couple rounds of a couple of different flavors of you know Ubuntu on the twenty three ten release, and uh, you know things are things are looking pretty good for most of the flavors. I feel like I you know yeah. obviously that's only it's only three out of yes, there's so many now. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, but like I mean things are looking good in time to be ready for the LTS that's coming in April. So, uh, if, yeah. If it's half as good as this, I'm I'm I might find myself on another LTS for a long term. I'm still on the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, I, yeah, I would have been had scaling been there. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Mm, I know. I, I know and I and like now now I, this this happens to me every time. Leo, every time, I'm like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna hang out here for two years. I'm gonna hang out on the LTS, 
And then we get to that final release, that final interim you release before, yeah. before the next LTS. And I'm like, oh, I got to go now. Yeah. Yeah. You just can't like, wait. We're just like one cycle to too long that's it that's a yeah because this is this is 2404 Mm -hmm. rc1 i feel like this this is this is the one we're we're finalizing the things there's not going to be much change between this and the lts yeah a little bit nobody likes to shake the boat this is stay tuned ah uh oh okay i think you've got insider knowledge yeah i feel like we had uh, a a big developer meeting for lubuntu and i think there's some there's some things in the works i don't know we'll see what happens well, there's, uh, I think between now and then, there's going to be about a few episodes of Linux User Space mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. um, that'll be coming out about the time that we're wrapping up the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, go, go, mm-hmm. go check the at Lubuntu official, uh, uh, Twitter and or X or Zitter or whatever we're calling that this week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go check that out. There was, there's a link to the, to the developers, uh, you know, uh, meeting that we had. So. There's all all the notes are there. Stay tuned. I'm gonna get uh, Dan to gi- digest those notes and tell us all the juicy bits next episode. All right, sounds good. So Google has decided that they're going to be the good guys. Uh, Google our uh, savior. Mm, yeah. Don't worry. They already saved us with the Topics API that everybody was automatically opted into, whether you liked it or not. I like how um, Topics was kind of like, uh, yes, I want it. Yes, I also want it. That that was the choice you were given. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Please, yeah. please, I'll take it. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You, you, got, you got very little choice with that. Yeah, I, I don't like it, but I'll, yeah, it's, yes, I want it, or I don't like it, but I'll take it. That's, mm-hmm. that's, those yeah, were the choices much. that you really kind of got. But that's kind of behind us. And the, the unfortunate thing about that is that, uh, whatever Google says kind of goes because they have 85, 90% of the market. They've certainly got um, enough of it to have some large sway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, they did, however, come up with something that I, I find it hard to disagree with. Oh, okay, the concept is good. Let's let's put it let's put it that way. We'll. I think we're going to converge here at the end of this. Uh, Google Chrome's IP protection. Okay, this is basically Google Chrome taking your request to any website and proxying it once or twice through their own servers so that they can obfuscate the source of the request to the server that receives it. So if I go to Ars Technica, it just looks like a request from Google. And if Ars decides they want to dig real hard and they peel that back one layer, they'll just find another Google server Mm -hmm. back behind there. But behind there will be me. And my IP will effectively be obfuscated to anybody that is trying to look on ours's end. Hmm. So what do you think? What do you think, Dan? It's a good thing, right? Because it, it, it bolsters my privacy. It ensures that no one knows it is me personally going to a website. Google is indeed, in this one, our savior. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if I 100% agree I mean, so conceptually, that sounds nice that they're they're hiding hiding things for us. However, 
I feel like they're hoovering up all all of the information that that is going out there. And even though many of those things are encrypted, um, it, is it all and not not it's not complete, right? And and what's stopping them from trying to decrypt any of it too, right? They could play back the internet for us. The the interesting thing about decryption is that everybody decides for some reason in their minds that uh, decryption can only happen like at the time, mm-hmm. but that's not the case, right? Oh, no. Like anybody that that takes any data that is encrypted can, in ten years, decide to decrypt that with well, better hardware, yeah, better, better, better technology, yeah. better right. So if the data is at rest, encrypted, just a matter of time before we can just crack it open like an egg, but. You know, nobody thinks about that 10 years in the future. It's definitely going to take more horsepower than we have today. Um, Right. But Google, uh, of all the people that could be doing the decrypting in 10 years, Google seems like one of the companies that would be able to just be like, oh, hey, look, 10 years ago, crack. Yeah. Or even even if it's like, you know, uh, even if they're rolling it back, you know, five years, uh, you know, it helps paint profiles and stuff. So I don't know if that's great. I mean... How much have you really changed in the past five to ten years? Oh yeah, I no, mean, that's it, that's it, that's it. Um, I I don't know. So I have a I have some hesitation with that. I don't know that they're the best stewards of my you know my traffic, or I don't know that they have that in mind. Because let's let's face it, Google, as we've said several times, is an advertising company. And yes. so they want. Actually, you said that within the past twenty-four hours, and I appreciate I, you for it. I know, I know. I've said it a few <laughs> times. Anyway, so yes, they that that is their primary goal is to uh, be an advertising company and sell either directly advertising to you, or uh, sell your information to other companies that do advertising, so that they can target advertising to you. So I I agree with you there. The thing that really gets me is that we're coming off of the Topics announcement, the Topics mm-hmm. API. And, uh, you know, real quick refresher on that. Topics API was born of Flock, which we right. really covered on this show. Right, right. Um, but Topics was the easy version of that that basically said Google locally is going to peruse your browsing history and create Topics based on what it is that you've browsed. So if you've gone to a lot of um, sporting websites, like you like the NFL and NBA and cricket and mm-hmm. things like that, they're going to put you into a sports category. And then whenever a website asks, hey, how do I advertise to this person? Google's going to be like, hey, sports is one of the things that they like. So the the good thing about that, and, and this, is, this is really the devil in the detail kind of thing. This is why I don't like it. Uh, Google has positioned this in a way that is good, but, and I think that's all of their technology. It's good, but, and so they have all of this information. Uh, they'll give it to advertisers and advertisers can then target ads to you without having to track you. And Google Chrome sometime in the future, in the nebulous future, they're going to just kill tracking. Yeah. But not yet because again, they're an advertiser company. Right. So, um, so they're going to have all these topics based on your browsing history, and they're gonna always they're they're always gonna and this is again this is that good little devil in the detail they're gonna throw in a random topic that doesn't apply to you, okay, into the mix. Yeah, right? so they don't so fingerprint you as well, right? Yeah. So sometimes you'll get non 
specific or targeted advertisements to you. But that's because Google is fuzzing a little bit. And that's, well, that's yeah, a good they're, thing. They're, they're right? trying to stretch stretch it a little bit and see what else you'll bite onto. So the the downside to this, though, is that because Chrome is the, I mean, and when I say dominant, I mean dominant oh, yeah. browser in the, the, the sandbox here, mm-hmm. um, they get to control it. They have created a standard that nobody else but Chrome has agreed on, and they are pushing that forward yeah. for 85, 90% of everybody that's using the internet. That is just now the standard. I know. And nobody else, not Firefox, not Vivaldi, not Brave, not, not Safari, not anybody else had much of a say in it. And even if they did have a say, Google could just say, I don't care. Yeah, we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so they get to control the advertising market. And because of this, that means that Google is going to be the biggest advertiser on the planet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so this is why coming in with these, with, with this focus on it, coming into this IP protection feature, this is why it gives me a bad taste yeah. about this. Because not only now, not only is Google poised to be the, well, they already are, but they're going to entrench their stranglehold over advertising on the internet. Right. They are also now going to tunnel all of your data through their servers to get to the endpoint. They tried this before, and we talked about it before with AMP, the accelerated mobile pages, where Google would just cache the entire internet. Yeah. Yeah. And then just say, hey, man, don't worry. You don't actually have to go to Ars Technica. You could just go to us and we'll have a cached version. Yeah, it'll be so much faster, faster for you. So fast. And your mobile connection sucks. So we got you. We'll get it. Yeah. Every single good thing that they have done, just think advertising. How can someone use the information that, that, that they're gathering by doing something good? And use it for their own monetary gain. And Google is fantastic. They about have some this. great technology. Absolutely. How can they use mail, something so simple and so mundane and so boring? Oh, just shove a bunch of ads, ads. into it. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're already watching all the conversation. Yeah. And that, that's one of the that's that's the other thing, right? Like I, I don't think everybody knows. Surely you, listener, nodding your head saying, yeah, Oh, I knew yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. No. But Google reads your email. Yeah, well, I mean they can. They gave it you gave it to them. Right. <laughs> and so they read your email so they know how to track you better, how to advertise to you better. What emails should end up accidentally in your inbox and which shouldn't? It, it, which should go to promotions. Right. Well it and they <laughs> There is some good that comes out of some of the things they do because it's in their best interest, right? So, like, they're really, they really cut down on the spam stuff because spam is bogus. They're not getting any, nobody's getting any benefit out of that. But that's right? the good. That's the good that they're doing, they, right? And this is kind of like that, too, um, with, the, with the IP protection. Like, right. it's obf- obfuscating things. It's not necessarily security when you do that, by the way. But the devil's yeah, in like, the details. They're handling it for you, but for a reason. Yeah, there is a reason behind it. Right. You don't get a lot of spam. They have, Google has mm-hmm. some of the best, best. Yes. spam 
filtering in the world. And they, yep, and they implement. I, I don't even think I should qualify that. I think it is the best. But but they've also raised the standards on the way email is supposed to you know happen right with with dkim signing and you know dmark and all of that stuff to make sure that yep. that spam is 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 pushed down because it it makes their uh, reconnaissance if you will noisy and it gets in their way so that's their that's their goal on that so same thing here they just want to, they want to make sure that they'll protect your 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 traffic and proxy it for you in a safe manner so that they can analyze it along the way. That rubs me the wrong way. A little bit, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. You have to find the angle and, and learn how to defeat it in a different way, I suppose. Yeah. And, and I think we both agreed kind of coming into this that, that the IP protection feature is a good feature. And maybe it's just who's implementing the feature that makes it a little maybe just use a vpn that would get the same job done <laughs> if you want to see the disdain in our faces um you got to go to the youtube you got to check it out on the youtube Boy, i hope it turns All out cool... okay leo <laughs> well you know what there's always a complication there's always a complication and most of the time it's my fault I, this one's mine this one's <laughs> mine well maybe my equipment's but probably my fault for not maintaining it well well okay look you ended up with a bulging battery a spicy pillow if you will yeah this this little and, guy right here Take yeah i don't feel like that's anybody's fault Duh, that that, that just sometimes that happens so uh look at dan's face look at it real good i don't know if it looks good or bad at this point but i don't know either <laughs> i can't see it either <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the joy of using phones to record. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. So my my normal little camera, like it's it's got a display on the front side so that I can see yeah. what it's doing. Yeah, yeah. You can frame yourself up. Yeah, yeah. yeah at least somewhat. Not close. today. Not today. No. Nope. Not today. Today is not that no. day. Well, if you want to know what uh, what Dan looks like today, you got to go check it out yeah. on the YouTube's. Yep. Um. We also have uh, the history shows show up on Tilvids. That's a really cool way to get just the history. If, if that's the only thing that you're interested in, uh, Tilvids is a fantastic place to Tilvids do that. Tilvids is great, yeah. And, you know, especially coming off of all of the uh, crap I was saying about Google, you know, yeah, you know, I, you yeah know, right. Tilvids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you like the show, if you like what we do here, if you like what we talk about, if you like the history bits, if you like the explorations, if you like the Gen 2 stuff, the XFCE stuff that's coming up, uh, make sure you visit us over on Patreon, linuxuserspace.show slash Patreon, and throw us a buck or two. Yeah. It helps make those history shows better. It helps ease along the XFCE explorations and the Gen 2 this and that and makes those live streams happen. Yeah, so, absolutely. And we, we appreciate your support. Absolutely. But whatever you give, if you give, regardless of if you give. Yes. Thanks so much for watching the show, enjoying all the stuff, coming on, following us here, following us there, whatever you do. Uh, thanks for hanging around. Really appreciate it. Yep. At the dawn of the internet, IP addresses were abundant. Billions, in fact.
A web server could be brought online with one IP address and it would serve one website. Easy. It was a problem though. And we saw it coming very early on. It wasn't as easy as the nascent internet seemed. We had too many devices and more coming online every day. One way to combat this was to stop IP address waste by not giving out massive blocks of IP addresses that were used inefficiently and ultimately hoarded. So we got rid of the classful allocation system we'd been using since the early 90s and kept some sets of IP addresses in reserve. Even still, the 4 billion IP addresses we had mathematically allotted to ourselves, 32 bits only goes so far, were still running out, and there was no way around it. IPv6 was an answer, but its adoption was sluggish in the best of times. And if you look hard enough, you can see that it exists. It's being used, but it's far from everywhere, and it was proposed in 1995. <laughs> There were other answers too, like private IP addressing and network address translation, two things that everybody at home uses behind the scenes. On the server side, there was virtual web hosting. In short, it allows one physical server on one IP address to host many websites as opposed to just serving one. It's about efficiency. But back then, things were simpler to configure. The popular web servers like Apache, IIS, and soon tons of web hosters were doing it. Remember, it's about efficiency. What this means in practice is that website1.com and website2.com could end up pointing to the same IP address. To make all this work, the name of the website was sent along with the HTTP request, which let the server, through the magic of HTTP 1.1, get the user to the right website. This was great up until HTTPS, the secure bigger brother to HTTP, started to really make headway. Formerly specified in 2000 with RFC 2818, it slowly grew in popularity over the next decade. Now, all this encryption, the secure part, is good, but the question arose very early. How do you know which site you're trying to connect to when multiple websites live at the same IP address? because that information in HTTP 1.1 was stored in the part of the handshake that's now encrypted. Enter server name indication in 2003. With this addition to the encryption specification, the website's name was now stored in the front-loaded but unencrypted part of the handshake called the client hello. This meant that servers hosting many websites on a single IP that came into contact with this information could route traffic to the correct website. Firefox and Internet Explorer started supporting this in 2006, and Chrome followed after in 2010. Hooray! It's all solved. Mm -hmm. Except that it most certainly wasn't. With the rise of advertising and, more importantly, tracking, Beginning well before HTTPS ever even got the slightest foothold, SNI would be a huge help to those wanting to see where you're going. That includes your internet and mobile service provider and web hosting services whose IP addresses you're interacting with and anybody with access to the handshake in between. Snoopers and trackers would hardly be deterred by any of this because, remember, the client hello comes before the actual encryption and contains a request for a specific site's certificate. So, 
Of course, the obvious answer is that we have to encrypt the SNI, or the part of the client hello request that contains the server name you want to talk to. But this part wasn't encrypted before specifically because servers needed a way to read the data without decrypting, since there was no way to trade keys prior to the handshake that contained the name of the server. What a conundrum. We had to enlist the help of public key cryptography, the same type extra big nerds like me and Dan would use to encrypt an email with GPG and DNS here. So now, with encrypted SNI, when a DNS server is queried for a server name, the IP address along with the server's public key is sent instead of just the IP address. This allows the user to encrypt the server name before sending. What a great solution. Except it wasn't. It was a stopgap. And more and more HTTPS was coming. 80% by the year 2020, by the way. All so that we could eventually have ECH, or Encrypted Client Hello, that encrypts the entire handshake, whether or not all of the data is sensitive. Aside from the server name being in the clear before encrypted SNI, the ALPN, or Application Layer Protocol Negotiation, was in the clear too. This allowed snoopers to see what type of protocol you were speaking, like email, IRC, or any other number of to-be-encrypted protocols. With ECH, though, there are two parts, the inner and outer SNI. With the outer having non-personal information in it, but only enough to facilitate encryption of the inner portion that contains the server name, the protocols, and the other fancy bits. So that brings us to where we are today. Firefox 118 and better in 119 support this. I believe Chrome 115 supports ECH. So now we're in a much better spot with being a secure requester of information. And I mean, I, I know that whole entire history was just for funsies, but this, this really does confer a whole lot yeah. of privacy on you. This is, this is good stuff. Yes. Pay attention to the, the previous history. This is, this is really, really good stuff. For me and you. Mm -hmm. But for large enterprises that use SNI and ALPN to do traffic shaping and blocking, yeah. this is going to be a real problem. You probably. Yep. It definitely is because where where people could look in, yeah, they can't they can't see that application layer stuff that's happening to be able to exactly. analyze those things and know what that that fingerprint is to to be able to shape the traffic and whatnot. Yeah, there are entire multi thousand, if not million dollar devices I, that um, use ALPN, yeah, to do traffic shaping and blocking. I know and. And, you know, there are tons of, you know, small time filters, even, you know, that, that you and I might use for free at home that use SNI right. to do blocking for domains mm -hmm. and things like that, that exist, you know, only on Cloudflare or, you know, only behind the one IP address that hosts 600 websites. Yeah. It is great from a privacy perspective, and I, I absolutely love it, but there are downsides to this. 
And there are going to be a whole lot of people that pay a whole lot of money that are going to be real unhappy yeah. with the state of the internet in a little bit. The far end has to obviously support that too. So I mean, right? right? So I mean, uh, a lot of the the corporate things they they're going to take a while to catch up because that's kind of the way corporate stuff works. Of course. So, but like I mentioned in the history, we're we're talking 2022 actually saw the highest at like 83 yeah. 84% of um https right, requests right, right. over http, which is funny because it kind of petered out there and dipped ever so slightly, still above 80%, but ever so slightly and in 2022 and now into 2023, we're still looking at about approximately 80%. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like eighty percent is going to be about as good as we're going to get. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, but uh, like, so here's the other thing with Firefox. Obviously, one nineteen's got some improvements in this. In it, it, you know, they made some enhancements there, um, which I just upgraded to today. Just, just, just mm -hmm. for funsies. Um, but you better believe it. You know, you know what? It's not in most everybody's repository as we record this. But as you hear this, it will definitely It'll be. There be. By then. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, it's Tuesday today, everybody. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> here's the other thing. Um, you know, the DNS over HTTPS kind of kind of helps you with some of this, it, but you don't have yes. to use that. Like, so some people, for obvious reasons, want to be able to split their DNS traffic, um, especially right? if you're running like you and I probably are. I mean, I've got got Piehole running here in the house, and I. I'd rather my mm -hmm. traffic go through Piehole um, for for of course you know because you know then I can have a little more control on it, and so you know you can still take part in this, it, it, which is the great thing. You you don't have to. It's not an all or nothing sort of deal. You don't have to use DOH to be able to you know get get the features here. I think that's that's the really that's the really cool thing. You just update your browser yeah, and there. the websites that support yep. ECH are just going to now give you additional protection. I think that's really cool yeah. about the web in general. I think that's that's this is how the HTTPS rollout was. Yeah. Um Let's Encrypt happened in 2016 and just skyrocketed the amount of of traffic that is now encrypted. Right. You know, whether or not that's a good thing, right? Like um I, we were talking about. I think maybe it was on the last live stream. I think, generally speaking, if if uh, left to their own devices, a lot of people wouldn't uh, probably bother with each, you know, securing things. And encryption right. does secure things, and so then you get lazy with uh, the the data that you're sharing, um, potentially, and so then it's just out there in the clear, and that's not good. It's probably good to put some guardrails on things so that people don't make accidental whoopsie doodles. Um, and, yeah. and so like at least your traffic's encrypted in transit. You have a man in the middle sort of thing feeding you, like right, pulling right. it in and then you know, manipulating, you know, AI there, manipulating it and sending you some other subliminal message. Doing the digging on this, um, Cloudflare has changed what M stands for, but not the meaning. Right. M uh, stands for monster. Monster in the middle. Monster well, in the middle. that's appropriate for spooky month now, isn't it? It, it kind of <laughs> is, isn't it? Yeah, the monster in the middle. The monster you know. Yeah. Well, that's Google, but... Uh... <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, is, is Cloudflare, you know, kind of kind of some some of that too? I mean, you got a lot of different things that they're, they're, they're caching and delivering. You better believe they're in front of more than half of the websites that you visit on a very regular basis. Yeah, and it, 
in some ways, I suppose you could make I guess, the argument. I guess, uh, spoiler alert, I've got some Cloudflare tunnel action stuff happening here for things that Leo and I use. Um, yup. So, but it, it works, like, uh, in a way, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, we haven't been DDoSed yet. That's not a that's not an invitation to do so. Uh, but, please um, <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I, I think I think this is great. I do think um, ECH is great. I think uh, ESNI and SNI before it. Well, not SNI, I guess. I mean, it, it worked and it it saved people a whole lot of uh, CPU cycles. More complete package. But, yeah. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. ECH was was always where we wanted to be which is encrypt absolutely everything that could identify or help track or help pinpoint anybody. Yeah, this, this um, is honestly probably the more critical part of the conversation to be encrypting. Yeah. Yes, right? Because prior to this, you know, if, if, you're, if the domain name that you were going to was exposed, that's bad enough. Just knowing where you're going already proves at least a little bit of intent. Yep. Right? I mean... I suppose everybody could imagine a website that they would go to right now that would, there's only one thing you do at a website like that. Do you want everybody knowing that you go to a website like that? Whatever website that is. Yeah. And I don't know. This is where ECH that, is going to help you that's out. That's linuxuserspace.show slash OnlyFans, right? Don't tell anybody you go to that website. You just click on the Patreon button and hook it up. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> So catch these and other great topics as they unfold on our Lemmy instance, because ECH showed up there, our subreddit showed up there too, and our news channel on Discord, because it definitely showed up there too. Head over to linuxuserspace.show slash, and it's right here, right here. The, the, the icons are right above me. If you're just listening to me, then you got to listen yeah, the, to me and do check the show notes. Linux user space. Yeah, the, the links are right there. You don't have to type this out. But if you're typing it out, linuxuserspace.show slash Lemmy or Reddit or Discord or Mastodon or Telegram or Matrix or Twitch or Twitter or YouTube, whatever you type in there, it's going to take you somewhere or OnlyFans. Yeah, that'll work. Or even malware if uh, you're into the spooky stuff. <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> trick or treat. Yeah. You're going to find out if you type that one in. Yep. Whatever you click, whatever you type, whatever you do, come hang out. All right, Leo, uh, this is the favorite part for me on these topic shows is the feedback portion of it. I, I really me love too. I love it when people write in and we can give back and we can have, you know, an asynchronous conversation, but it's a conversation nonetheless. I mean, we get to bring their spirit onto the show, and we get to have a little bit of fun with that, which is really cool. Yeah, so first up is Stewie on the Gen 2 check-in in episode 405. It's question, uh, what are your feelings on Linux swap in general? HDDD, you know, hard disk, or SSD, change the equation, or are those cheapo SSDs that have... No cash versus real SSDs. Like, how, how does all that, like, weigh into the equation for you? Do you have an opinion on this, Leo? I absolutely do. Okay, I'm um, listening. I so have one, too. I, I, 
I, I wrote a whole dissertation on this thing. But I think I can sum it up in with with HDDs. I, I used swap because in those days I had low RAM mm-hmm. and uh and it was it was not great, but I had it. With SSDs early on, uh when there were, you know, you know, pre really resilient SSDs, I tried to avoid swap right. as much as I can. But now with uh, with newer SSDs that are much, much more resilient and, um, you know, have like, it's like hundreds, if not thousands of terabytes of, you know, mean time before failure, whatever yeah. it is. Um, I, I don't worry about it too much. I usually just now, so currently I'll give myself a little bit of swap just in case the application or the system needs it. But I don't give enough swap to do like a full on hibernate because yeah. I've got a lot of memory and I don't want to dedicate that much swap to it. I but yeah, I agree with that. I don't even know, but like it, and in the end, I don't even know that Hibernate necessarily saves you a ton of time. Uh, it, it, and that, that kind of right. goes for most of the operating systems, especially if your, your storage is going pretty quick. Uh, it, like yeah. boot up times are really kind of short these days. So, dude, on the framework, no joke, it is like a two second difference. Like if I come up from Hibernate, I save two seconds from a full boot hardly in a way hardly noticeable i i would i would just let it go just just be shutting it down oh i do yeah, no i mean yeah don't even bother with the hibernate thing that's my personal opinion maybe if you had a hard yeah. drive like that 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 could make sense hibernate could make sense there potentially um but even then it's not greatly supported in the linux kernel uh, i don't know how, how much no. you know like it's not just it's not great so a bit of a hack. I would forget about you know trying to get enough swap to to do the hibernation bit. That's that's for sure. What's so weird about that though? I think it's the Calamaris installer. Don't quote me on that. But um, has the option because I saw it on there Endeavor. There are options. Like uh, and it, depending on how the distro has it set up, there are options in a pull down, yeah. drop down thing. Right, like no swap, a mm-hmm. little bit of swap, and then enough for hibernate mm-hmm. swap. So it, it makes it seem like it is very supported because it's in the install. Yeah, I don't know that I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. No, it, it doesn't. It's, I can tell yeah, you that in Lubuntu, we don't have it configured that way. We don't. Good. We have no, no. So we don't even have uh, swap partitions uh, kind of as a thing. We do... Oh, a swap file. We do a, yeah, either no swap or swap file. You you can pick between those two. Yeah. By default, it does swap file. Obviously, the great thing about a swap file is you can grow it, um, you know, on on right. the fly, right? And you can make it bigger, and that's that's easy. It's a file, um, so that's that's pretty nice. Um, I I, I prefer that if I'm if I'm gonna do my own system, I'm probably gonna pick a swap file. It doesn't need to be huge. I'm really probably most of the systems I have probably have enough RAM to be able to handle things. I'm only looking if that memory pressure gets up there so that, right. um, you know, I don't get the, oh, you know, the oom doesn't, doesn't wipe me out and, and, and kill everything. Where did Firefox go? What? Right. So like <laughs> swap can help you with that because it adds to your overall RAM from what the system is looking like. You could still get some things that are killed with Oom potentially if it went out of control. Yeah, yeah. If that pressure's that high. Yeah. But it maybe you need it then at that point. 
that process was asking for it. Exactly. See, there you go. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm a swap file person. Doesn't need to be huge. I don't really care if it's a hard disk or if it's an SSD. I feel like you're right. The SSDs these days will will handle that. Um, and you're not yeah. writing to it a lot. Hopefully, hopefully your RAM is is it and like everything is tuned well enough that your RAM is handling it. And every once in a yeah. while, it's hitting the swap. So what do you think about, um, so cheaper SSDs versus the ones with, uh, say, real cache, mm-hmm. like the Samsung and maybe the Western Digital, well, the better yeah. Western Digital ones uh, versus something, you know, uh, much less expensive for the same amount of, uh, or well, yeah, for the same amount of storage. Right, less expensive for that. Yeah, I, I'm all right. depending on what my use is, uh, I'm all right with those cheap ones. Um, I've bought some of those. I certainly use those to test different distros. If I don't want to totally wipe out my system, I can swap one of those in there and be good. I haven't really had a lot of problems with those. Like, they tend to just work. Um, But I'm not relying on them the same way either. For for my system, you know, like the my desktop or something like that, I've actually got some some better ones that I paid a little more money for than I feel like, yeah, well, yeah, I want to be able to count on it when it's there. I agree. For for me, it tends to be the Western Digital Black yep, or the Samsung Evo. I've got some of those um, too. Yeah, they're both good. Um, I, I've had a lot of good luck. Um, we talked about the SK Hynix uh, stuff, and I feel like those are, those are usually pretty good. Seems pretty good, man. The, so the one that I brought up I may have been in season two, maybe in yep. season, uh, maybe season three. And Joe was still um, here, so maybe season one. Oh, was it really? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Okay, so maybe I did that in season two. But either way, uh, it's full. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but it's still kicking. But yeah, and it was a. Uh, I, I think it was a QLC drive, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it certainly it's certainly once you got past yeah. that. Yeah, once you got past that halfway point, you really lost the the speed that it advertises on the website so because i mean it's really fascinating the way that that those those chips actually work right mm-hmm. so, i mean back in the day it was slc it was just a single single yep single yeah, lane you, you charge it or you don't charge it mm-hmm. it is one or a zero but now it is you charge it you charge it a quarter you cut you charge it a halfway you charge it three quarter and you have like four yeah, layers of Exactly. And so when you start doubling up and tripling up and quadrupling up on on you know how how much data you can store in a single cell. Right. Um that you really start to feel It's not quite as reliable, so they say. Right, because there was always drift. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, but but back in the day it was either nothing mm-hmm. or something. Right. And if it was anything, then it was on. Right. So, you know, data was a little more reliable in the SLC days, but, you know, you wouldn't be seeing four terabyte SSDs had we stayed there. We'd probably still be in the 256, 512 range. Right. But reliability would be, well, I don't even know about reliability, but definitely data readability would have been there. And I think some of that comes with, um, you know, always on systems, probably you're not going to notice that nearly as much as long as your power yeah. supply is good and stable and whatnot i feel like mm-hmm. uh you know you're going to be able to hold those states a lot better but if you store your your drive for any reason or any length of time you could potentially start to lose depending on how well the capacitors yeah. that are on the, on the on the drive itself uh depending you on start... how well those hold up you might start to lose the state on on some of that stuff 
I, I yeah, it's extreme. I get some... it, but you know it could happen. Listen, man, you hit that you hit that SSD hard enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you, those electrons. The pixies are going to jump right out of it. <laughs> <laughs> the magic smoke. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So that's that's my thoughts on those. So Dominic in Telegram said. Uh, I can't remember if it was you and Dan or one of the late night Linux podcasts. I'm I'm glad we're in the same group. Yeah, no kidding. That's that. some that's some you know high class territory there. But when I officially moved to Linux, I was a bit disappointed that all the distros I tried were too similar to Windows, and I was trying to move run <laughs> away from Windows. That's fair. Why why is it that many themes seem to want to represent Windows when that's the main reason to move to Linux? In fairness, I didn't do much modding when trying out the distros in DE and settled on KDE Plasma because it had some cool tools, KDE Connect, and Endeavor because I love the Pac-Man animation on updating. I do too, though. That's pretty great. But I found XFCE to look very dated, GNOME very similar to Windows, and Plasma just different enough. But before we get into that, um, there was a little conversation after that, uh, and I think GNOME gets moved out of the running because GNOME is kind of its own thing. So, yeah. uh, so I think that a little bit of that got scrubbed. You could probably sub in Cinnamon, I believe, for the, the you window, could. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, by a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you could. And I, I think generally you're right, but I think the 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 crux is when you said um, – why? Why did some themes want to represent Windows when the main when the main reason uh, to move to Linux is to kind of get away from that? I don't think that's the main reason to move to Linux. I don't think it's to get away from the way it looks or feels. Uh, I think a lot of times to get away, uh, getting away from Windows means something different to everybody. But to me, when I got away from Windows or when I tried to get away from Windows or uh, at least a little bit. Um, was for privacy reasons, security reasons, was for stability reasons, uh, and um, even speed reasons. Yeah. There was a whole lot of speed to be had in Linux that that wasn't uh, necessarily available in Windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it removed some shackles, uh, I feel like, as far as the speed and whatnot. Yeah, and, and particularly... <laughs> Constant frustration in Windows land is updates. I know it just everybody gets hammered <laughs> that up was, with that, right? Yeah. And th- there's problems. I was in, in the middle of a document. Yeah. But even if not that, like it just, all right, how many, you know, how long, like even if you intentionally try to do the updates, that takes an inordinate amount of time, I feel like. And how many reboots is that going to take too? Yeah. I mean, that's the other question. My favorite update situation is Windows is like, all right, you got to update. And I'm like, fine, all right, I'll update. Let's do it. And then I update and then I reboot. And it's like, all right, you got to update. You got more I'm updates. like, well, I just, uh, I just what, updated. What do you mean? You do that the last time. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And like, I, I, you know, I usually, me personally, uh, my systems, when I come into work, that's when I want to, I want to be able to sit down, do my updates. And so that I can just get that out of the way for the day. And and not yeah. have to revisit that again, and because it'll bother me. It, yeah, be, but then I know it's done, and it's not going to bother me later. You know, with yeah. with saying, "Hey, you forgot to do your update, buddy," and mm-hmm. uh, and that goes for Linux as well. Linux, Windows, Mac OS, whatever. I I just want to get that pushed aside, get ready to work, and have that out of my way. And um, I think the speed and the way Linux handles it is is pretty good. Um, yeah, and, and I and, think so too. And 
a lot of it is because you've got a couple of places that you're getting your software from typically. Um, you know, you're not gathering it from multiple sources. And so you've only got a couple of places to go to get things up to date, right? Whereas Windows, you've kind of gathered some software from all around potentially. And the same for Mac OS. You've got all those little DMG files that you just keep grabbing and splatting splatting I, I, on your system right i just hope on mac and windows that they are self-updating and they kind of do it and when you good. click the button the first time like yeah take an extra five seconds update yourself before i touch you because if you do it in the middle i'm not gonna be happy and that's fine but like i feel like that's a that's annoyance for me because like i said i intentionally yeah. wanted to seek out all of my updates for all my things out of the gate and if every application <laughs> is doing their own individual update, ah, that's that yeah. that defeated my purpose, you know? Yep. Yeah. Because I'm going to get smacked in the face everything I open at that point. Yeah. Discord. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad one, too. Yeah. Every time the guy spins and I'm like, come on. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I just want to send Leo a message. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At least when he spins now, he looks kind of like Frankenstein He's for Spooky Month. Right so that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So what do you, what do you think about this? Um, because I think he's right. Why they look that why they look that way? It's familiar. Why they all kind of look yeah. like windows. People are yeah. comfy. People are comfy with that and they don't want to change. Um, That's what it, it is. It's a be, friction thing. It doesn't have to be exact. And there are enough nuanced differences, I feel like, that it isn't Windows anymore. And you can tell. But it's yeah. close enough that you can navigate your way without a whole lot of guidance. And I feel like right. that that's the secret sauce right there. Is if it's, it's about friction. How much it hurts to start. Yep. If it's intuitive, people will it'll it'll latch on and, and people can hang on to it for long term. Yeah, because I, I, I feel like this happens a lot in distro hopping too. Like mm -hmm. when you move from Linux to Linux, um, it's it's that first few minutes that really makes or breaks it. Yeah, oftentimes like, that that you know the cover does matter on the book. Yeah, kinda. You know, you spend that first five minutes and you're like, okay, I could get along with this, and then you're way much more likely to continue on with it than if that first five minutes feels terrible yeah so I, I think a lot of times that's exactly what it is it's like well it's it's got a familiar windows feel tinge to it but the the desktop environments i don't think there's a single one besides no that um really actively prevent you from trying to move things around like you know oh, the yeah. top thing goes on the bottom and the left thing goes on the right and everybody's got their own flavor to that too exactly exactly so yeah yeah there's a there's a familiarity to it. I think that's super important. Yep. Yeah. It just it just keeps people engaged. I think is is the is the end um, thing. Don't want to scare them off too soon. Now, listen. There are some some that do bring out a lot of difference in a way, right? Um, and we've used them. So elementary, I would say, is is oh yeah, is significant difference. But that that's that's lowering the friction from Mac OS in a way. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't feel it's. Yeah, I suppose they take some elements from there, but it's different, just the same. Mm -hmm. um, oh, it is. And, and but they're not the only ones. Like so, if like uh, chaos, uh, chaos, as you like to refer to it, it is a little chaotic. That's different, but it you know it, it it's got some familiarity. MX Linux, they're mm -hmm. they're a little different, and 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 some of that's just the arrangement of where things are located, but. I don't know. They just got some different tools in different places, and it operates a little strangely. So, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, there are there are some that do bring bring some differences as well, and they're still popular. Yeah, those are interesting. I like those. I do too. Uh, so Nate uh brings this uh, uh on Telegram. He says, "May I contribute to your soapbox just a little bit?" Yeah, this one's coming from uh, our previous topic episode where both of us ended up on a soapbox for various reasons. We did. But I, yeah, I think this one was specifically to, this was, was this your soapbox, Dan, about Waylon, or was this mine? It was my soapbox. I ah, take that's some, what I thought. I take some credit here. Um, okay. But in a good way. Um, it says, I have been running Wayland on my primary display uh, server on my framework laptop with a 13th gen i7. I have to use fractional scaling, and Leo's spoken to this a little bit, um, mm -hmm. for things to look right between the built-in monitor and my external monitors. Literally, a month ago, the screen capture tool was a bit ropey, um, but it is truly fantastic today. The only thing that gives me a little bit of trouble right now that inhibits my ability to work is Audacity. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that needs some work. Anyway, there are so many cool features that Wayland gives you that X11 didn't give you. I, I think people would be less hesitant to use Wayland if it was just called X12. This laughing emoji. <laughs> and, and maybe, maybe that's it. We just, it's too far, you know. It was about branding. Too far. I We're don't know. We're terrible. I... We're terrible about advertising stuff, man. Linux and open source, they have some of the worst names for things out there. It's just kind of absolutely terrible but wayland is actually not a terrible name that's that's maybe one of the better ones i think the name is good but yeah. you know it was the delivery right and it, but i i really do feel like calling it x12 would have been would have gone over at least slightly better maybe. with a good number of folk had they done that you mean the and, gray beards? yeah 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 potentially that that could have that could have an impact but I mean, I think yeah. I mean, we've we've harped on Nate's points a couple times. So I mean, yeah, he's he's it's good. I'm glad it's working for him, and uh, I I look forward to the applications that aren't working well to get you know some work done on them and maybe hopefully work well soon. And it seems like it is. Yeah, slowly but surely things are things are coming over to the Wayland side, and I think there are. Um, I think John Anderson had mentioned. Uh, the PreSonus stuff, which gave mm -hmm. rise to the Focusrite yep. stuff, and these are audio interfaces that that um, I believe the yeah, PreSonus guys, yeah. So I believe the PreSonus guys were just like, yeah, we're not Only doing Wayland. X, we're just yep. we're just doing the Wayland thing. So that's yet. Yeah, I think the message is getting across though, and I think people that are going to be relying on X for the next you know five, ten plus years are going to be a little sad because little a be lot there. of the software is not going to go backwards. The software can go forwards because right. X Wayland, but it's not going to work the other way around, and that's not going to be good for people yeah. trying to hang on as long as they can to X. They're putting just enough development into that to keep it going, to hang right. on for the transition, essentially, is what it's amounting to. Because you look at a lot of the, the work that's being done. I did look at some of the commits that are being that are happening over there in XORG, and uh, a lot of them are X Wayland. So it's, it is just for that compatibility bit. Just to just to string that along a little further um, until things everything gets there, and you do need to do that. I understand that you've got to transition somehow. Yeah, I, I feel like X will never really die. I feel like X will allow 
X to continue on into perpetuity because there's going to be a way. And I I really do think that there are going to be people that are just like, we're never going to leave X. So what they're going to end up it's doing. It's going to be a, a legacy thing and it'll stop getting it will be. features. And, and people that are over there, they'll be fine with just the, the legacy things. Right. And, and that's exactly what I'm getting at, that what they're going to end up doing is they're going to stop coding for X and they're going to start coding for X Wayland. And, but that's going to happen more and more oh, yeah. for those that just don't want to abandon the code base yep. uh, or at least the display side of the code base right. and move over to Wayland. They're just going to support X Wayland and that'll be the best of both worlds. I can be on Wayland, but I can still not have to throw away some of my code base and we'll, we're going to yeah, be good to go. At least keep the applications on. Some of those legacy applications can continue on forward, yep. which is, you know, they may never see a bunch of changes and there may not be a reason to do a bunch of changes um, to yeah. them. You know, how, you know how I know this, though, is Windows. Mm-hmm. There are still some ugly looking apps on Windows 11 that should have died in Windows you 98. You could just dive into some of the menus a little deeper and oh, yeah. there, there's stuff that's internal to Windows that they haven't ported over. Yeah. <laughs> Explorer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Poor Internet Explorer. I mean, it, it was it was the top dog and then now it's just absolutely trashed in every corner of the internet. Poor guy. Yeah, I don't feel too bad. (laughs) So speaking of John Anderson, John Anderson gave us a little bit of feedback, and I think we're going to agree with him. He said, I say you lock your Lemmy registration to only those who contribute on Patreon. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we agree. Um, I think that's an interesting stance. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've got some people that are legacy that that are well, we're going to call them grandfathered in here. uh, Yeah, and legacy users. But but yeah, yeah, they're they're contributors. um, I feel like some of them definitely are Patreon members. I'd have to look, you know, exactly to to double check on all that. So everybody that's there, you get to stay. You're lucky, you. And yeah, I I feel like uh, yeah, patrons. Um, you get first dibs on 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 a user account if you feel like you that's something you need or want or whatever. Um, yeah, let us know. So if you want to be on Lemmy and more importantly, you want to rep Lemmy.LinuxUserspace.Show on that username of yours. Um, let us know because in the in was it the last episode or was it the live stream? It was the last episode. Uh, like I said, uh, that email thing is is uh. Yeah, pretty much non-functional. Um, yeah. But email, running an email server is no fun, and I really don't want to do that. So uh, rather yeah. than go out there and get all the, the bits and bobs that need need to happen for that, uh, we could probably handle that offline in another way. Yeah. Email us regular if you just have to do email. If you have uh, to. Because we don't manage that email server. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But speaking of email server, make sure... If you're trying to get in contact with us and you want to do it over email, that is contact at linuxuserspace.show. And all the other links, all the stuff that we've talked about so far and all the stuff that we're going to talk about and close out the show with, you can find that at linuxuserspace.show. Click on the episode. The cool thumbnails are there. That cool CD uh, logo thing Mm. that we made is there. It's all there. Mm. So go check that out. Um, And, of course, you can find us. Blah, all over the other parts of the web as well. Absolutely. All right. First up in the focus sessions, this is the community focus. 
Mm-hmm. All right. I want everybody to go check out Jeff's YouTube channel. No, no, no. Wait, Jeff? Not that Jeff. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. Jeff from Craft Computing. So I know Leo's been doing some Proxmox stuff. And if you're into that sort of thing, um, this is a great channel to check. So Jeff doesn't do totally exclusively Linux stuff, but I think what he does is is pretty fantastic. And he even throws in a little BSD stuff. Uh yeah, like he he does some true NAS type things and he and he goes over mm. that and he talks about how, you know, he's got all of his home lab type stuff set up. And, you know, I think uh I think he's got some great, well rounded technology solutions and uh he usually caps out his show with a, a great brew at the end. So yeah, and Leo's is empty, so maybe I know. Yeah. I, I need a refill, but we gotta close out the show, I guess. So we do. Um yeah. but I do have to say though, um Jeff's coverage of the Zima board. Oh yes, those things are fantastic. Yeah. I really want one of those. He's got a lot of cool newer stuff, but I'm still stuck on the Zima board mm. thing. Um, just because I really, 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 really want one, mm. but it's a, it's a x86 board, mm-hmm. right? And, Little... and it's, it's really hurting me cause I've, I've been trying to go I all know, arm, arm or at least all arm on the server side for a long time. And then he comes up with this video about the Zima board. <sighs> it's hard. It is hard. It's hard to resist. Is, That's what it is. Life, it's hard to resist. Life is hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really do appreciate um, the coverage on that because, uh, and the price is pretty good too. I mean, Those for are a fully nice. decked out, everything you need, Raspberry Pi. I mean, you're you're starting to get close. You're in the hundreds of dollars, not maybe not yeah. two hundreds of dollars, but the hundred hundreds of dollars. Right, but the lower end Zima board was like mid one hundred. It's about the hundred of dollars. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. I have I have a hundred of dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I'm that I'm willing to waste on tech stuff. Oh, geez, all um, the time. Yeah. I know. These Raspberry Pis don't hurry up because I'm waiting for a Raspberry Pi 5. If they do not hurry up, I think Jeff's going to win. Somebody said they were shipping, um, I saw today. Uh, they they had received their, their Raspberry Pi 5, so oh, I feel like Wait, wait, soon-ish? like a non-commercial partner-y person? Like regular guy? Yeah, I think so. They'd, had, they'd done a pre-order potentially someplace. Whoa. I'm not sure where that was exactly, but they said they'd taken delivery of their 5, so... I think they're, okay, start, but I can't... they're starting to roll out and they're starting to ship, depending on your source, of course. Okay, so what, what I want to be able to do is I want to go to a store well, that obviously carries Raspberry Pi and pick one up. That's that's what I want. I, I think, <laughs> so there were some micro centers that had them in stock locally at places. So, you know, you've got that somewhat in your area. I will drive. I will drive because look, there's good food over there. Oh. There's lots to do over there, and there's a micro center with Raspberry Pis over there. That's the most important part. And so, hmm. Okay, it's we're cutting it. We're getting it down to the wire here. Uh, we are. You know what they need? You know what they need is a Raspberry Pi with multiple NICs. Mm. I would buy. Well, many. They, they've got the the USB C thing. No, no. and they, no, they've no. got the Mm-mm. the the PCI Express, you know, header stuff now. And you could you get a full gig on that? I bet you would. Yeah, sure. I don't. <gasps> I, I bet you would. Um, because oh. you, like you, you like you, they've got they they don't have them out yet, but they've got like the NVMe or M, you know M two um hats that they're they're coming up with based All on right. the. Uh, you know the the little PCI header stuff, 
And so I would well, imagine you, a Nick would work just as well. You had mentioned, I think, early on when we were talking about the Raspberry Pi 5 mm-hmm. that uh, they all need active cooling. Yeah, they don't need it. Um, you need it. You need a heat sink at at, at a minimum. But if okay, you're going to cool, get any cool, sort cool. of performance out of them, you probably want some active cooling. What if I just get a really big heat sink? Maybe. Uh, well, so like uh, Jeff, the other Jeff did talk about this, and he said if you're going to do that, you you probably really want to leave it out of a case. You don't want it confined and get some. You want the natural airflow at least to go across it. Although you may not get the same performance, you're going to get some okay performance. It it does okay. thermal throttle, but it kind of depends. Okay. Okay. We'll I, see. I think your mileage could vary a little bit there. If I can get my hands on all the equipment to do that stuff, I might try to do some weird network testing or something. But we have some network testing to do. There, there's still network testing weird I still got that little Unfortunately, I've not done anything with it. It's still sitting right here. No, we're getting no. It's because we haven't queued up the episode for it. That's true. Because I I want to do an IP fire history is really what needs to happen. We were kind of saving that one for a little bit. Yeah, we were. I yeah yeah exactly. And uh, that that time is when me and Dan have time, and that is <laughs> never. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to do. It's hard to do, but we'll get there. But hey, you take some time, everybody, and go check out Craft Computing on the YouTube. There's some great videos there. And you'll find ways to kill your time later on as well, I'm sure. All right. So the last thing we're going to talk about then is one more focus. Absolutely. The Genty focus. So we got to recap what we did on this last live stream. And it wasn't a whole heck of a lot. And it was extremely surprising. Because that was a good thing that we didn't do a whole heck of a lot because we'd done a whole bunch of prep work before that. Yeah. And I think that's what it was, right? Like all that prep work was front loaded. And mm-hmm. so we had selected in, in a previous live stream, we had selected the GNOME yep. uh, profile, which prepped our system. I was unprepared for this. I thought it was going to do the whole GNOME thing. It, it didn't did do the whole GNOME thing. So, But it prepped our system for GNOME, yep. gave us a few extra flags to, to throw in it there. Did. And then in this last live stream, so our current situation is now that, we installed gnome base gnome yep which is the gnome package the meta package that right. brings in all the gnome bits and compiled all that yep and in this last live stream all we really did was we wired it up yep now dan you were pretty convinced that i could just start it up i was close like i, I but i I, just, I i wasn't even looking at the at the at the pages i was just kind of like Ah, let's give it a try, see what happens. And, yeah. and it was close. And like, we were really close. I was skeptical, but I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe it does. Maybe when you do the meta package, it does do a couple of little, but then it's Gen 2, and right. it doesn't really do a couple of little anythings. <laughs> and, and, but and it, it, was, it was probably a good thing to reboot anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so we rebooted, and really all we did was enable a couple of services on I startup. I think we just enabled the display manager. GDM, yeah, and then uh, yep. maybe another thing or two, and it was kind of there. That was that was pretty much it. I it was I anticlimactic, really, but um, exciting nonetheless. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a whole lot more involved than that. Um, so you know, after the live stream, I I kind of lamented 
not doing something cool like EIX, mm. which had been uh, recommended. That has, that has been mentioned, yes. Yeah, by by Joshua in, uh, in Discord, he mentioned using EIX, which yes. gives you much more in-depth search capabilities. It does, yes. And it seemed like it would also kind of take over updating and maintaining oh, I don't. capabilities I need, as well. I need well. to read more because I haven't had a whole lot of time myself. I know. Well, he he had only mentioned the uh, the fact that it would that it would make searching easier. Yeah. But then I started digging in, and I'm like, but this is pretty cool more. tool. Yeah, no, it is a cool tool. Yeah. So I don't I don't think it will like gotten like if you if you want to merge new things, if you want to add new things to your system, yeah, I don't it think it do wants to do that. Yeah, but uh, but it'll certainly maintain the packages that you have there which is really correct me if i'm wrong anybody that's listening to this and actually has gen 2 experience but i'm pretty sure eix will uh will will help you search for new stuff and it will uh maintain what's already there and yeah so i was kind of sad that uh that i didn't prep that a little bit better and save that for the next live stream though well so i want to split the time so now looking forward a little bit now that we have oh by the way we do have a fully functioning gnome desktop now mm-hmm. which is really cool and if you watch the live stream you'll watch me crush the computer playing connect 4 oh, yeah, apparently <laughs> that's that's part of the meta package you install or yeah when when you when you bring in that meta package you bring in connect 4 and uh i mean <laughs> Yeah, you did, you did pretty great. Yeah, I mean, you took it deep into the game, and uh, it was it was real close, right down to the wire. And then uh, yeah, it sure then, was. Then you pulled it out at the end. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure, but man, sure won at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So looking forward, I kind of I think I kind of want to split my time. I, I I want you you had mentioned use keeping the VM and using mm-hmm. it as a bit of a test bed to kind of make sure that I don't do anything dumb like I'm very prone to do. So. Uh, what I think I want to do on this next live stream, I need to figure out how to get this guy, uh, this T450S, hooked up so that I can. I think I might just SSH into it, kind of like I did the VM, at least at That's the beginning. Fair. Sure, yeah. Um, to get it kind of figured out, started up, some of the packages compiling and everything, um, early on. But after that, I think we're gonna have to figure. I'm gonna have to figure out a way to it, get yeah, video that capture. screen. Mm-hmm into here and i think i can do that already i have a video capture card but i think it comes up as a webcam and it gives me some issues so i'll figure that out i've got like um let me see oh crap no i only have a week all right so i'm gonna try and figure that out lots of time (laughs) (laughs) i joke because i'm in the same boat you are I know every every time every time we come together for this show it's like all right what are we missing so yeah but but I'm I'm going to get that done I'm gonna, well try to get that done we might have to do that live and that will be also fun exactly that's these are the things you get when you come to the live stream yeah you you really get hit in the face with how unprepared I can possibly be you know flailing around a little bit but you know we end up you know chattering about a whole bunch of stuff with everybody You're so right. you know it, it's a good time that's that's what happened this last live stream. We got all the Gentoo stuff out of the way, um, and without anything to talk about Gentoo, we just talked. And I think there was plenty. Uh, that's 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 probably what this show is really about, anyway. Absolutely. So that's something to look forward to. More Gentoo on the next live stream. 
more Gentoo in between, a little bit of uh, faffing and fiddling with uh, with this laptop to make sure that I can actually get it up on the stream in the first place. <laughs> but um, yeah, this this Gentoo thing ain't stopping anytime soon. We're going to do a little bit of EIX figuring out on the VM. We're going to do the preliminary work on the laptop and uh, hopefully don't blow away my Endeavor install. Ah, so dual booting, even better. Yeah, oh, oh, we're going to mess up, Dan. I have a feeling. Well, I mean, you know, backups. That's the key. Oh, uh, what now? I don't have those. Oh, okay. Mistakes, I said. All right, that brings us to the next episode. And that's where we cover the history of XFCE. And Ooh. It's, a, it's a long history, folks. It, 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 yeah, it'll be good. It'll, it'll be a full Not show. Not as long as CDE. But Not as long, but it's uh, it's long. still pretty good. And current day, lots of people love XFCE. <coughs> Leo yep, might not be one sure, of them. They sure do. They sure do. I don't know. As you heard earlier in the show, I'm trying it out and, you know, I'm making a go of it. So it's not so bad. Um, I got I got some things. So I'll give you the rest yep. of my thoughts on, on how that's going. Leo will obviously compile some history and we'll, we'll have that. And uh, we'll see what... What else? If you're on a mobile device and you're watching the video, pinch in, like like get in real close. See if you can see what that looks like. That's Windows 95, my friend. Yeah, that is Chicago XFCE 95 with the Chicago 95 theme right there. That is nostalgia. Well, I mean, and yeah, XFCE can bring the nostalgia out. That's for sure. So. Because it looks like it came from 1995. I agree. I agree, Dan. So I'm so glad you agree with me. So we'll we'll give you all the nostalgia in the next episode. That's for sure. So in between shows, uh, you can catch us on Twitter, Mastodon, Telegram, Matrix, Discord, whatever. Uh, you know, give us your suggestions on our subreddit or over, you know, on Lemmy. We've got the open forum over there. Uh, you know, join the conversation. Talk to us. Give us more ideas. We love them. And uh, all the links and show notes can be found at linuxuserspace.show. All right, Leo, where can we find you? You can always find me over on the old Mastodon. Toot at me at leochavez at mastodon.social. I'm still, until uh, we have to pay for it, over on (laughs) the Twitter, too, at leochavez. Yeah, and I'm at kc2bz at mastodon.social as well and uh, I'm at KC2BEZ on the Zitter uh, place too so you can you can hit me up over whatever. there as well and I watch formerly them. known I, as Twitter I watch them both so whatever alright see you in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space bye about the whole thorium thing is the thorium dino game it is pretty much the same as the chrome dino game but i don't actually know uh, is it as good as vivaldia uh actually you know what hold on let me check how do you yeah vivaldi game is that what you want yeah. the little motorcycle guy yeah, it's Vivaldi. I think that's what oh. they call it. Oh, I said... Oh. Okay. 
Oh wait, there's what? There's missiles? Oh. See, no, that's pretty fun. Huh? Oh, died already. Okay, you know what? I don't want to talk about that dinosaur game anymore. I want to talk about this one. So there you go. Yeah, we're gonna save that one for sure. I think what we should do is work on that over a weekend and get the highest score we can oh, and geez. challenge everybody to beat our scores. Yeah, I'm not so good, but I could try. <laughs> Don't worry, man. I died immediately. <laughs> 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 and that's not a joke. I'm laughing. No, no, no yeah, it is I, funny. I, yes, yes, I, I fell I'm... in the first pit, dude. 